Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Today is the day, ladies and gentlemen, when we hurl ourselves headlong into the breach. It is the final day of Parliament until the election next month. That's five weeks of campaigning, canvassers on the doorsteps of the nation and TV debates all over the place. Already, the party leaders are arguing with each other about every single little cough and spit. Boris Johnson has sent a letter to Jeremy Corbyn asking him to commit to some kind of policy on leaving or remaining. Joe Swinson is busy hiring lawyers to ensure someone pays attention and the leader of the opposition himself is preparing to unveil his cunning plan for Brexit should we win. Uh, we could, of course, uh, be telling you about Joe Swinson. She's unveiling the Lib Dem sort of uh, manifesto this morning, uh, talking about giving us all back a load of money uh, if they become the next government because they want to remain in the European Union. Today is also your chance to have your say on everything that is going on. Have you seen any of the fabled thousands of canvases out on the street for the Labour Party or indeed for any other party? Because I haven't. And how do you feel about working a four-day week of 32 hours for the same money. Sounds great, doesn't it? Just come in four days a week, have three days off, we'll give you the same money, you'll do the same amount of work, it'll just take you a smaller amount of time to do it. All it's going to cost is £17 billion, and that's just for the public sector. If you run a small business, or if you run any kind of business, this is an absolute nightmare. Let the madness begin. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up this morning, also, uh, we will be hearing from Jeremy Corbyn, as well as uh, Joe Swinson. We'll also be hearing from lots and lots of other politicians throughout the course of the day, uh, and we'll be asking why... Watson is now describing herself as self-partnered instead of single. Is this the ultimate in showbiz narcissism? Dawn Neeson will be helping us out with that one. 0344 499 1000. And what about the firework problem? A puppy actually died of a heart attack in Yorkshire during a firework display uh, over the course of the last few days. I think enough is enough. I think it's time to call a halt to the ridiculous number of firework displays we now have in this country. Loads and loads and loads of them. Very noisy, very scary. Pets are uh, literally cowering in corners, hiding under beds, getting themselves all worked up for no reason at all. Why do we need to have so many firework displays and why do they have to be so damn loud? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here 
on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, if you pick up a copy of The Times this morning, you will see on their front page they have this headline, Labour's four-day week to cost taxpayers £17 billion. Now, as if the cost of that was not eye-watering enough, the idea that somehow everybody who now works a five-day week and gets squeezed into a four-day week does not cause massive uh, job shortages and, and requirements for more nurses, more doctors, more police and more ambulance drivers and all the rest of it, uh, you'd have to be absolutely crazy to think that that wasn't going to be a recipe for disaster. We've already got shortages in almost all of those jobs in the public sector. They want to create more shortages just so that people can have more leisure time. Well, I think it's a mistake. I think it's idiotic, and it doesn't even take into account what would happen to the small businesses which are the backbone of this country. Let's talk to Robert Colville, who's director of the Centre for Policy Studies, to see what he makes of it all. Robert, very good morning to you. Morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, you know, I suppose if you went up to 10 people in the street and said, how would you like to work four days instead of five, 32 hours instead of 36 hours or something, uh, they'd all go, yeah, great idea. But unfortunately, the cost, I think, to the country would be ridiculously high, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, so, so these are these are these are this is, this is our sort of rough estimate of of, of this labour promise, um, just for the public sector. Um, so over you know over the next ten years to um, you know yeah to to shift everyone onto a onto a four day week. Um, the problem is you know there's no you know there's no evidence that uh, that you know there's really no no evidence, um, especially in the public sector, that cutting people's hours makes them you know more productive to that extent. So the se- the seventeen billion figure we use is actually if you like if you make really really, really generous assumptions that everyone who works four days a week suddenly gets more efficient because they stop checking Facebook all the time. Yeah. Um, well, exactly. Actually, if you, if, if you just say, actually, everyone's just going to work at the same level they are at the moment, and we're just going to give everyone a four-day week, at that point, you need to spend £45 billion, pounds, which is, you know, the entire defence budget. Well, don't worry. That's nothing compared to the amount of money they want to spend on sort of renationalising <laughs> loads of our industries as well. But, I mean, it does seem to me uh, to be ridiculous because we now live in this rather gilded world where everything comes to us quite easily. Nothing is terribly hard to achieve. I know that there will be people listening to this radio station now saying, well, hang on a minute, I haven't got all the things that I want. Um, But most people are relatively well off compared to the 1970s, which seems to be a time when people are starting to kind of compare things to, you know, particularly those on the left who say, oh yeah, it was great in the 70s. I'm very amused by people who weren't even alive in the 70s telling me how great it was in the 70s, because let me tell you, it wasn't great. Yeah, but I think also just in in terms of the public sector, I'm, I'm not against the idea that if everyone works smarter, they could they could they and work, work smarter and harder. They 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 can cut their hours. That 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 that's great. But over the last twenty years, product, productivity growth in the public sector is 0.2 percent a year. Yeah. But that, which is basically you know, it's basically nothing. So the idea that you know the idea that suddenly the, the Labour Party is going to get in and suddenly everyone in the public sector is going to sort of stand up and salute and start working you know 20 percent more efficiently than they were under the Tories is is nonsense. Especially when you consider that uh, you know Labour also wants to you know give massive power to the trade unions you know collective collective bargaining and make it much harder to to get rid of underperforming staff. You know it's really hard to see this as a as a recipe for a, you know an efficiency revolution. And is this part of the sort of the Labour campaign rather than the reality? I see that as part of uh, of what John McDonnell's now saying. He's saying we're doing away with this idea of, of, of taking back private schools. That's not what we're about. We're about trying to kind of integrate it better. So they've already taken a step back from this sort of the shutting down of private schools and, and basically making a land grab for everything they own. So is this another <laughs> promise that we might see? We were told yesterday by doctors, you know, stop making promises about the NHS that you can't keep. That would be a good mantra for all politicians and all issues, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
Indeed. Um, yeah. So, so with Labour, I think there's 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 a, what, there's a different. The, the code word they use in their in their speeches is in the first hundred days. If they say in the first hundred days, that kind of means we're definitely going to do this. And and that's a you know that's a sort of pretty heavy massive laundry list in the, in the first place and then on top of that they have all of these other things like every week they seem to come out with a new like we're going to spend 200 billion on this 20 billion on this we're going to you know we're going to transform the you know we're going to build you know more wind farms than have ever been built by any country in the world ever before we're going yeah. to you know, you know solar panels on every home insulation on every home you know just every you know, they're coming up with all these things it's like and when you start adding up the numbers it is genuinely eye-watering. I mean, you know, quite a lot of these things would be really nice to have. I'd love to work a four-day week and get the same amount of money. <laughs> but, but you see, you a know, lot of people have said to me, a lot of people have said to me whenever I've talked about this in the past, that actually, if they only worked a four-day week in one job, they'd probably get a part-time job because nobody really wants three days of leisure time because apart from anything else, leisure time could be quite expensive. So, in fact, if you even got the same money for working a four-day week, you'd have to spend more of that money occupying yourself and your children or whatever else uh, during the other three days. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, certainly, I, I sometimes find looking after my children all day is rather more labour-intensive. Well, listen, I mean, I'm one of those people who was given... When, when I had my... I think it was my third child, I was allowed to have two weeks off for, mater, for paternity leave. I came back after a week because I was like, I'd rather be at work, thanks. This is far too taxing and difficult for me, <laughs> you know, and wearing and frustrating and annoying and all of that. So I went back to work, and I think a lot of people would rather work a proper five-day week. I mean, I mean, one of, one of the secrets, actually, one of the sort of the weird things about about the working environment is that actually, you know, it's not that bad to be to be at work these days. You know, we've got, you know, we've made it quite nice to be. So there was a U.S. company which which did all this stuff. They sort of said to everyone, you know, you can work from home, you can work flexible hours. You know, we're going to be really, really modern and, pro and progressive. And then they they sort of came back a year later and said, look, why is no one actually doing this? And the answer that everyone gave was actually, you know, we quite like being in the office. It's quite a nice <laughs> office. Yeah. We like being in a team. We get productive stuff done. Well, here's an interesting uh, t a twist on it as well from somebody who just tweeted me called The Royal Blue, uh, saying, trust me, if you reduce the civil servants' working week, they'll only get those people to do overtime. They won't recruit, so they'll still be working for overtime at ex gratia rates. So, I mean, in but, fact, I mean, that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, and also, actually, I mean, actually, the dirty secret is that quite a lot of the civil service, especially in the, in the Whitehall bit, I'm not, not, I'm not talking about the nurses and teachers and people out in, in the coalface, but in some of the government departments, they're, they're already de facto on a, on a four-day week because they work this thing called compressed hours. Oh, yeah. Which basically means that, you, that? You, know, you, 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 you say that you're working, you know, as, you're working as many hours as a five-day week, you're just doing it Monday to Thursday, and then on Friday you bunk off. Yeah, well, I've, I've definitely noticed, and I'm not going to say this is entirely down to the public sector, but on a Friday, generally speaking now in London, public transport is much less busy than it is on every other day so i think there's a yeah. lot of people not working or working from home on fridays yeah i, I mean I, I think i mean I, I you know i think i mean i, I think w one reason we, we all we all feel that we're working longer hours is because we've all got mobile phones right yeah so that you so that you so, what you so you're not able to switch off when you go home you're still checking your email you're still sending a few things back and forth so you're always engaged with work but actually in terms of actual number of hours worked it's 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 fairly static over the last like 20 years or whatever. Mm. No, that's interesting as well. And what about um, sort of other countries that have tried this? Because I'm pretty sure the last time this was raised as a sort of balloon floated by, by somebody in the Labour Party, I think there was some country in Scandinavia where they claimed that everybody was happier, where they claimed that everybody had much more kind of downtime, more family time, and therefore their production was higher um, in the office when they were there. But, I mean, the trouble is with comparing us to Scandinavia is we're a very different people, aren't we? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, what's weird about this is that the paper Labour are relying on for this policy explicitly says that, you know, it looks at France where they did this. And it explicitly says that in France when they did this, they found they had real problems with their hospitals because, you know, they said everyone in a hospital can work a 35-hour week. Yeah. And all the doctors said, you know, has, has to work a 35-hour week. And then they found they didn't have enough staff because, you know, professions like medicine, like social care, where it's like really kind of hands-on, you, you actually need to you know, actually go engage with people, are really, you know, it, it's much harder to, to automate them. It's much harder to like get, get robots to do that kind of stuff. So you can't, so, you know, so what in France they found that they, you know, they did this and they didn't have enough doctors. Yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't got enough doctors already. So, I mean, it's hard enough to get an appointment with the GP. Can you imagine if the GP that now is seeing people five days a week only sees people four days a week? Exactly. It's not going to work well at all. So, I mean, you know, who does this appeal to, I suppose, is the, is the next question, because clearly the Labour Party will think that this will get them votes, which is why they've put it out there, uh, even if it never comes to pass. People will go, oh, yeah, but the Labour Party want us to work less, so that's a good thing. Yeah, so I think there's still elements of that. I think there's, 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 there's that element of appealing to the public, um, you know, the, the, you know, who... You know, who, who would obviously like to get a you know free a bit of a more free ride, um, and all, but also the trade unions. You know, labor the Labour Party is bought and paid for by the trade unions. Yeah. This is something the and they are you know they are if you if you look at you know the, the they they've been fanatical about trying to drive the number of. Uh, working hours of their start of their members down because they sort of you know there's a limit to the amount of if there's if, the, if you reach a limit of the of, of the amount of cash you can extract from the employer then you start saying okay well in that case we'll just we'll just work less yes. so they're you know so they're campaigning that that's exactly what they're kind of cam they're campaigning for so you know this, so this is quite a good policy for them it's 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 core vote and it um and it and it keeps the paymasters happy and they're sort of only really hinting at the fact that they might have to raise taxes because they're talking about raising taxes to something like 67.5% for highest earners i don't know what they would categorize as yeah. high earners because in previous labor administrations they've categorized high earners as people making more than 60,000 a year yeah and and labor's so labor in in the, their their response to the times today to, to our, our research is to say it will this will be done from from higher productivity across the workforce right. so we will we will we will just make everyone work so much better that everyone can afford to take an extra day off but but think about that so what you're saying is that over the next 10 years you succeed in making every doctor teacher civil servant in in the country you know 20 percent better at doing their job you get 20 percent more out of them and instead of turning that into better services for the taxpayer and the public and the customer, you know, and the, and the people, you know, and the pupils and the patients and the rest of it, you turn that into letting people take more time off. You know, that's a, that's a great deal for the people who you're letting take more time off. It's not a great deal for the, uh, the people who are actually using their public services. No, because all of this flexi time is interesting as well. I was saying uh, to someone earlier this morning that I had a job once where I had a secretary uh, who took uh, time off to have a baby. She came back, but only wanted to work uh, half the week. So I had basically a job share, which was what the company I worked for at the time did. And it was hopeless because I never knew which one of them had done whatever it was that I was referring to when I was talking to the other one. And they'd always have to ring each other on the days that they weren't in, uh, in order to find out what had happened the day before. You know, it was a kind of chaotic way to run an office. I mean, I, I'm actually, I'm actually not as, as, as down on flexi time as you are. I, I think, you know, if if, you know, if people have family commitments, if they want to do things, we should, make, we should, we should try. try yeah, but there's no point pretending it's that. the same and it's as good, though, Robert. That's my point. Well, there's definitely, there's, there's definitely no point in, you know, flexi time is a very different thing from just like saying everyone only work, gets to work a four day week. Right. No, it is. But it's what I'm saying is it's partly yeah. feeding into the same narrative that, you know, you can be more efficient by working less, you know, and that's a great idea. And it sounds good. And it sounds even as I'm saying it, it sounds really good. But, you know, it isn't true. 
it's it's true in it's it's true in certain it's true once you get to really high hours if you're working like north of 40 hours a week yeah you know if you're working if you're really kind of pushing yourself and pushing yourself nose to the grindstone stuff then actually you are probably not being as you know not being as productive as you as you should be you could you could get better results by pulling back but there's not really much evidence to show that you know pulling back from like 40 hours a week to 32 hours a week Mm. It's, it, it improves productivity, and there's there's really no evidence for showing that that applies to the public sector. Exactly. I mean, if there is, like, if there is, I'd love to see it. But we we look quite hard for you know for some papers, and even Labour's own policy document doesn't have any evidence at all that 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 effect works. It says what it says is that as we as we become more productive, people can cut their hours. It doesn't say if you cut people's hours, they will become more productive. Right. Yeah, it's the cart before the horse. How about this from David? He says, "Will this mean that kids only have a four day school week?" Good question. <laughs> How does that work? Again, again, I think the parents would, would would rise up in revolt. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, imagine if that did happen. You'd have to get the parents to kind of make sure that they were off the same day as the kids were off in order that they didn't have to get childcare for those children, which would cost them more money. And then everybody would be asking for the same days off a week who had children. And then you'd end up with a kind of ridiculous scenario where the people who had parents, people, people who were parents would have to work different days to the people who weren't, thereby creating all sorts of resentments. Yeah, no, completely. You know, you already get that way when it when it comes around to Christmas. You know, the guys with you know the people with or school holidays. The, you know, the the the, the family, people with kids. You know, book in early, and everyone else has to has to do the nasty hours. Yeah, and or pay through the nose to take the kids out of school and get fined and take them somewhere where they can actually afford to go for a holiday. It's all madness, isn't it, Robert? Appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed, Robert Colville, uh, director of the Centre for Policy Studies, uh, who have worked out that this four day week nonsense that the Labour Party have come up with uh, is in fact. Not just nonsense, but rather expensive nonsense as well. Uh, Here's one from Joe, who says, I do compressed hours. It's hard sometimes getting up at 4am, but it's nice to have a longer weekend. I don't really understand what compressed hours are. I presume you mean that you work all of your working week into sort of, say, three days rather than into five days. If you prefer that, that's fine. But I guess that that's about hours rather than about the amount of work that you do, isn't it? Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, words. Imagine being Emma Watson, right? Child actress, multi-millionaire, a woman who was able to go to Columbia University in New York and do whatever the hell she wanted. I think she's been uh, an ambassador for the United Nations. She has also got, apparently, one of the largest carbon footprints of any celebrity uh, in the entire world. Uh, Apparently now, she does no longer describe herself as single uh, because she prefers to use the phrase um, self-coupled which seems entirely ridiculous, right? Seems entirely crazy. We're going to talk now to Dawn Neeson, uh, journalist, Daily Star columnist, woman's own columnist, TV star of stage and screen. Dawn, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. How I mean, are you? you know, I think I'm very well indeed. I think I've heard it all now, haven't I? I mean, the conscious uncoupling between Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris oh. Martin was one thing. This surely is the final kind of uh, act of narcissism, isn't it? Self-love. It's just gone utterly bonkers, hasn't it, Mike? I mean, you know, I can think of several phrases to describe Emma beginning with the word self, like self-centred, <laughs> self-obsessed, <laughs> self-absorbed, yeah. you know, disappearing, disappearing up her own backside, I think, fits very well here. Um, you know, she's come up with this to describe how she feels about being 30. She's 30 um, beginning of next year. Right? Well, those are the days. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, tell me about it. Yeah, get over it, love. Um, so she's, she's nearing 30 has made her anxious about being single and childless. And she thinks there's this terrible pressure on women that if you haven't got a husband and you haven't got a family, you haven't got a house, oh, she, sure, she's got a few houses, by the time you're 30, then there is something, something wrong with that, something to be anxious about. No, make the most of it. Instead, she's sitting there gazing at her own navel, coming up with things like happily self-partnered. Now, Part of me sort of hopes she's having a bit of joke here, but I don't think she is. I don't think so. No, no I don't think she's got I, much I of a sense of humour. This is a woman who's worth 60 million quid, right? Now, the idea that she sits around comparing herself to ordinary members of the public, like your average 29-year-old woman uh, who's working uh, as hard as she possibly can to make as much money as she can to even exist in a city like London or New York or Paris or wherever, you know, she's not like an ordinary 29-year-old. She's a multi-millionaire. <laughs> problem Mike she needs something proper to worry about yeah. instead because as you say she's got everything you know she's beautiful she's talented you know she's got the world at her feet um so, but she needs something proper to worry about like we've all got you know like paying a bill or something or other instead she's oh my god you know uh, a single what's wrong with being single in any case Mike Why there's nothing wrong with it I've been single, single many times in my life as, as I'm sure you have I know you've been part you've been married for a very long I, time I, been, though. I was trying I was trying to think of something funny to describe being happy Married, but there's not actually that much funny about it, really. Is I didn't there? know you were that happily married, to be honest. I just thought you were married. I mean, you know, been married for so not long. Married, exactly. I mean, maybe that is a contradiction yeah. in terms, indeed. But I mean, there's many, certainly many women nowadays who become single after their children have left home and after their long term marriage has fallen apart. And now they're the ones that probably are struggling more than uh, poor Ms. Emma Watson. You know, women <laughs> of, 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 say, 45, 50 who are back on the single market for the first time since they were 20. What, Mike? Most of the women I know who are sort of like, you know, roughly my age, let's say, I'm um, so, you know, who are sort of like back on the market, as you put it. I mean, they're confident that, you know, they, they have pride in themselves. They don't need to reduce to this utter gobbledygook talk to describe themselves. They're single. They're happy in being single. I mean, let's face it, you don't really need a man in your life in any case these days, really. I mean, you I know, can't you imagine can, why you would. Oh, yeah, well, you can even you can even put the bins out yourself, Mike. I know it's a bit of a shocker, <laughs> but it is possible. Listen, I've got children for that. This is one of the reasons you have children. I've said I've said this many times to people. I said, you have children, then make them work. Because, that's what no, they. But, but, but that's what they're for. You can't mention children in Emma's presence because she's obviously seriously anxious about being childless at the moment. But, I mean, obviously all this is to promote her new film, which is called Little Women, which I'm sure some people will find offensive because mm. you're defining a gender. Yes. But she, she's I'm surprised they talking... to rename it, actually. Well, I think they should, actually, yeah, the non-gender specific... Or little um... people who identify as women. Yeah. Well, you can't say little. I mean, people of diminished stature. Uh, who... Possibly, yeah. Oh, God, no. Vertically anyway, challenged. She's... <laughs> yeah, challenged. She's describing meeting her co-stars, Laura Dern and Meryl Streep, um, in activist spaces. Oh, yeah. Where, is, where are these activist spaces? What, what, what does that actually mean, Mike? I, I have you know, no idea. Do you know what? I'm starting to read things, and I'm sorry <laughs> to say that some of them come to me in email form um, oh. from various people, some of whom may or may not, maybe people I work for, and you read the language, you go, I don't understand what this I means. I don't understand what, what you're it? saying. What are they I saying? I know, I, I really don't. And I was, you know, you know, the other day, Mike, this, is, this was this was my favourite one. Right? Um, someone asked me if I wanted a cup of tea, right? Now yeah. you can't you can't take offence at that, surely. Surely not. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, builders, please, builders tea. Yeah. And they go, oh, I'm not sure you can say that anymore. And I thought, I well, you can't offend say, builders. Uh, yeah, you can't say builders. It's offensive. You, you, you're defining something that you can't define anymore. That's so, mad. I know, totally. And I thought oh, you've got to be. Jo and I looked at them, and I'm thinking, no, they're not actually joking. 
This is serious. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah well, any case, so, I mean, yeah. absolutely right. I mean, the ridiculous thing is now that we, the, we we now live in a world where instead of the celebrities remembering that we are the ones that pay them, exactly. they are now lecturing us and telling us how to live, even though we don't have their money. You know, we don't have the ability to get Elton John's private jet wherever we want to go. We don't, we're not able to do any of that. You can't just take off and say, oh, I know. Not that I'm having to go at the royal couple, but, you know, I think I'll go and watch the Rugby World Cup final. Oh, just jump yeah. off on a plane to Japan. Do you need to take any time off, uh, Prince Harry? Uh, oh, no, don't worry. I'll, no, I'll just talk to the boss. They work so incredibly hard, Mike, and they are having that sort of, like, six weeks off, fully paid to go and sort of, like, get over their stress and find themselves, Harry and Meghan. So... Mm. You know, obviously this is something you and I can do at the drop of a hat, should we feel like it. Yes. Now, um, she's also come up with another word, has Emma Watson, allyship. So pardon? she says that she has... <laughs> Say that slower. Al it's nothing to do with Star Wars. She says, I have... Uh, we, when she was talking about meeting Laura Dern and Meryl Streep in these activist spaces, um, apparently they had allyship. Allyship. Which Does is a bit like, presumably that means, like, is that like friendship except you can't say friend anymore? Right, OK. So, so I figure, Mike, this is like if you and I went to the pub yeah. and sort of had a chat and, and were mates, that, yeah. that's, just, that's what it means, isn't it? Is you it? have an allyship in a safe space. Ah, and solidarity as well. Solidarity, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, Mine's it, a pint it, of Harvey's. <laughs> I love the Peroni, thank you very much. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just utter... That's a rubbish. It's garbage, people, isn't it? Why can't people just say what they mean? And especially celebrities. I mean, it really is a case of absolutely disappearing up their own back mm. in some ways. It really is. And also, Emma Watson is a, a very attractive young woman, a very wealthy young woman with a lot of influence. There's a lot of things she could say that would help, you know, the girls going to school uh, in East London today. You know, but, things that she could say to encourage them to be something, you know? Well, this is... This is the, the serious point to this is, I mean, you can take the mickey out of Emma, of course you can. But, I mean, the, the, the thing is, you know, there are, there are young women out there who are struggling and, you know, they, you know it's, it's, there's a lot of pressures on, on especially young women these days. Yeah. And it's like, she could be so much more positive and encouraging and say things that actually resonate with young women who do look up to her. I mean, you know, the generation below her have grown up with Harry Potter and think she's marvellous and, you know, and, and sort of like, you know, really look up to her for being an example. And she comes out with this utter claptrap. Why can't she be more constructive? More, you know, actually more, more helpful, more, more pointing yes. out. You know, there's nothing wrong with being 29 and single. There's nothing to be anxious about. 29, you are in your prime. You've got a whole life out there. Go and live it, girls. Here's a good so, one, right? Karen has tweeted, uh, if she's self-partnered, what happens when she enters a relationship? Does she have to separate from a part of herself or is she going to <laughs> cheat on herself or practice bigamy? Well, indeed. I mean, which so it gets complicated. Separate from as well. Well, it's very complicated, this, isn't it? So, you see, the enter, you enter a whole new era and, and sort of uh, area of, dis of difficulty, I think you'd have oh, to say. Oh, well, blimey, Mike. I am actually, I'm glad I am married yes. to a man, if you're allowed to do that sort of thing, and okay. quite happily so, because I couldn't cope with all this. I must no, be. I know. Absolute nightmare. Well, if your uh, happily married husband allows you out for a drink with me, I'd be <laughs> delighted to buy you one before Christmas. <laughs> I promise to send you. I think, I think we can. Um, um, I think we can. Um, yeah. What's the phrase she uses again? Um, what you mean, yeah. activist spaces? Activist spaces. I think we can. We can find an activist space and, and discuss this terminology. Yes, and yes. I'll try and send you home sober. Okay? Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to congratulate you on your independent rugby of Mike Graham election debate. Thank you very much indeed. It, it's it's going to be a fun, it's and be I'm looking forward to watching it properly. And you look rather hot in that suit. Thank if you very I have much. To I know, I know. And somebody's <laughs> said I might actually break Twitter. There's so many people liking it, but I don't, that's probably a bit over the top. But what can I do? You know, just put a tie on, and it changes everything. Uh, this is Talk Radio. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. Somebody called Ian O'Hanlon is not happy. He says, has someone kidnapped Mike and replaced him with a bedwetting lefty? Legislation to control the use of fireworks is ridiculous. My dogs are absolutely fine because we don't make a massive deal when a firework goes off. Also, what happened to freedom of choice? Uh, Well, you don't have freedom of choice in everything, uh, Ian, I'm afraid. And all I'm saying is I'm not asking for legislation, just better regulation. I don't think there's any need for ordinary members of the public to let off fireworks. And I really don't see why... One day of the year, November the 5th, which is the traditional and absolutely obvious day on which to have a firework display, has grown into two months of it. I just don't think it's right. I just think it's over the top. So by all means, argue with me if you want. Uh, But don't worry, Uh, I have not become a lefty. Trust me. Let's talk to Ross in Putney. Hello, Ross. Hello, Mike. How How are you doing? doing? Yeah, very well. What do you want to say? Uh, Just uh, quickly on uh, Joe Swinton. Uh, I'm absolutely... Well, I can't wait for somebody from the Liberal Democrats to come round my door. Because I'm going to ask them the fact that they're neither liberal nor democratic. Yes. What are they going to be called next week? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I can't believe what they're getting away with. It's, I know. It's actually making me angry. It so, is. Listen, incredible. It's uh, incredible, isn't it? No, as, if, as if the election or the referendum didn't happen. Well, exactly. It, 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 it's, it's amazing. But the, the main thing was, was fireworks. Because I've got, we've, we've got three cats, amongst other things. And you, you just mentioned just before I came on about the fact that it's a couple of months a year. Yeah. Well, where I am, it, it's, it's all year. You, you can get, you could be sitting there in the middle of the summer and everyone's quite happy and all of a sudden a load of fireworks yeah. go off. Yeah. And, and, you, and yeah, and this is the thing. And I mean, it, like, when I was a kid, it was November the 5th. That was great. Everybody looked forward to it. It was right. one day of the year. Now, That's it's ridiculous. And you used to go to a display. People didn't really used to, you'd, you'd let a few bangers off, but that was about it. And that was it one day a year. I mean, our cats, they, two of them especially, get really, really stressed. And it's, we, we actually have to get them in as it gets dark. Because they like going out, obviously. But you've got to get them in. Because yeah. they are, and one of them is so sensitive, you pick him up and he's shaking. 
and he's really a cuddly cat as yeah. well. Yeah. So you actually have to, it's like it's like when you've got a, a newborn baby. He, 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 he really doesn't like it. And no, of course. And also, so, one of the things that we heard the other day from, from one of the dog uh, uh, trusts was that a lot of dogs are killed on fireworks uh, night because of the oh. fact that they run off and they get run over by cars. That's right. That's absolutely right. And and, and I, I, I we, we have always, my wife and I, you know, we, we've always been very sensitive about this. I'm pleased you've, you've talked about it because this has been going on for years. And I don't know where it all started because, as you quite rightly said, it used to be, mm. um, you know, Guy Fawkes Day. Because, you know, it was always penny for the guy, wasn't it, when you grew up? That's it. Penny for the guy. And it was all about fireworks. It was all about Guy Fawkes. Yeah. Now, it, I, 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 I just find it, they have to be regulated. And why on earth people have to let off a couple of fireworks is just beyond me. I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. Ross, I'm going to let you go because we've got lots to do. Marie uh, is in Castleford in West Yorkshire. Hello, Marie. Good morning, mate. Good morning. Happy Bonfire Night. Thank you. And to you, are you going to a fireworks display later? I am, yeah. And right. I, I don't often agree with you, um, Mr Graham, but I do on this one, I'm sorry to say. You mean disagree with me? me because I you mean you disagree often. with me, don't you? I do disagree, yes. yeah. Yes, go on disagree, then. Yeah. That's all right, you're allowed to disagree with me. That's what, you know, democracy's all about. No, I don't have any pets myself. Um, and I just think it's your prerogative to have a dog. And it's my Thank prerogative you. to enjoy a bonfire. Scaring the hell and out of him. I, sorry? It's your prerogative to enjoy scaring the hell out of my dog. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because you choose to have a dog and I choose to enjoy a bonfire. Yeah, well, my dog I doesn't come into your house and start barking and leaving his uh, droppings behind, does he? Whereas your fireworks invade my house. Yeah, but sometimes I do have to put up with that, mate. We have bar dogs near us where owners leave them in the house all day and the yeah, back all true. day. Yeah, that's true. And that's very bad you know, dog that ownership. Social behaviour, that can happen at any time of year, just the same. Yes. Uh, but I do think it's the owner's responsibility that if the dogs... I did used to have a dog as I was growing up, and it did used to get frightened, and we used to kind of make it a tent and, you know, just comfort it, really. But I just think as a pet owner, you know that it's bonfire. I agree with you fully on the antisocial behaviour. Listen, Marie, listen, but here's the thing. All I'm saying, I'm not saying you can't have any fireworks. I'm just saying, why can't we go back to what it was like when you had firework displays on November the 5th, and that was it? Okay, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I'll give you maybe I'll give you New Year's Eve as well. But you don't yeah. need to have one going on, which is what happens now in this country from more or less the beginning of October all the way through to the end of November. It's too much. You see, we don't have that. I don't have that where I live. We've had a lot of organised displays, and I uh, I do agree they've gone on like Friday, Saturday, and then there yeah. are um, some this evening as well. Um, so I fully agree with the antisocial behaviour and. But, I mean, I did go out and enjoy one on Saturday night. Um, and I do, I, it, you know, it's a free community event. It was organised by the local council. We don't get anything out of the council mm. back. There was tens of thousands of people there enjoying it. They did a quiet display for the younger children at half past six and then a big display for the adults at 8.30. And I really enjoyed it. You know, I love fireworks. I love to see them. And I understand and I do empathise with dog owners and, and cat yeah. owners. Yeah, well, why can't we pets. find a happy medium, Marie? Because that's what we should be doing. That's all I say. 
Yeah, well, well, maybe so, but I just get sick of all these people that are like dictators what come on and they call up and they're like, right, well, we should ban them. My dog's scared and I don't care about anybody else. I just care about my dog and what I think and that's it. I just think they don't have the open-mindedness that, like, yeah, some no, people do enjoy going out. You know, that chat that you've just had on with the dogs driving up and down the motorway. I mean, my God, it... it it was like such a saga and such a story. For God's sake, it's just bonfire night. All right. Mary, I've got to go, but great call. Thank you very much. Listen, we're all reasonable people in this country. We used to be. I'm not calling for the banning of anything. I'm calling for a bit more reasonableness. And I think if we were all a bit more reasonable, everybody would be happier in the long run, in every way. More gun talk from a water pistol from the Farmer of Fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Monday to Friday. Monday's a Friday I'm in a hurry Got a million to make Monday's a Friday Monday's a Friday The more I earn The more the tax man takes This is the Independent Republic of Mike Gray Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock of course now uh, there's been an interesting sort of study done a little puzzle uh, in which the best British things have been put into um, a, a scene effectively uh, and uh, passers-by were tested on whether they thought things were placed on the list uh, of the things that are best about Britain um, the video has been made as well uh, in which more than two-thirds apparently reckon Brits are better at queuing than any other nation in the world well it's not so much that we are better at queuing I think it's the fact that we are actually uh, the only people who queue because if you go abroad basically people don't queue for anything at all or at least not in the sort of way uh, that we do but let's talk to Grant Howard the Royal Butler because he is the king of etiquette and the man uh, who knows more about probably what's great about Britain perhaps than anybody else Grant a very good afternoon to you welcome good afternoon son I'm glad to see in this list it's got Mike Graham's radio show as one of the <laughs> best things about me British well listen I'm, I couldn't possibly comment on that but I mean look at this we've got Buckingham Palace we've got mm. roast dinners we've got yep. um, uh, queuing which I think is hilarious the Royal yeah. Family, very mm -hmm. British. Big Ben, although I have to say, having spent a lot of time in Westminster this year, well, I, ne I, I never failed to, to to be surprised that the, the the sort of the shock and the awe that people see when they come out of Westminster Tube mm. and see that Big Ben's all covered up and you can't actually see it. I know, I know that's the sad bit, isn't it? When you go past, I noticed that recently as well. It's like kind of as if there's going to be an unveiling, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, it's, the one thing I do, I would say, which is bad about Britain, and I know we're only talking about good things, is the amount of time it takes to clean these buildings because the whole of Westminster seems to have wrapped in brown paper for the best part of about two years. It's true and I have, like all of us, many friends that come over to the UK and that's one of the things they say is why is, why is that iconic building covered up? And of course the work has to get done, I understand that, but it's just a shame because obviously people come along to see Big Ben and suddenly there's no Big Ben. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Now what about um, obviously, obviously things like the NHS, which is very mm. much at the heart of the election yeah. campaign, which is lovely. Yeah. Afternoon tea, of course. Afternoon tea, absolutely. I was doing one of those yesterday up in Scotland. And now do you, have, uh, do you have a preferred type of tea for afternoon tea? Do you know, I, I'm a bit of a fan of Earl Grey. Are you? Okay. I am. I go with that. Oh, you could, you? I mean, could you, could you do English breakfast tea in the afternoon? Now, there's the question. And mm. how many establishments ask you that very question? You'll be sitting down, they'll suddenly say, would you like some breakfast tea? And you've got to quickly look at your watch and think, is it not the afternoon? Yes. <laughs> yes, and that doesn't sound right to me, but but you know, um, I'm I'm a quite big fan of Darjeeling as well. I Absolutely, and and I think traditionally, 
I mean, back in the day in the, the kind of grand old homes, they used to give you a choice of India or China. That was the, the two options, like your Assam or, as I said, your Errol Grey. Where today, there's so many different varieties. But you see, this is the thing. We talk about being British. People love afternoon teas. And as you know, that's a big part of my job. I go around not just the country, the world, teaching people how to have afternoon teas. Mm. And it is, it's, it's something that's quite unique to Britain. It really is. And scones are also on the list because, of oh, course, yeah. there are many different ways of eating yeah. scones and many different yeah. things to have with scones. For example, I'd be interested in, in Sussex, for example. They're very keen on those cheese scones, mm -hmm. which are quite nice, but for me, not quite as traditional as, as the main regular type of you know, scones agree. with raisins in. It's interesting, again, because that's a huge debate. Mm. So, for example, yesterday, as soon as I said, let's have a chat about scone etiquette, yeah. there's gasps around the room. Yes. Because they know what I'm going to be asking them. Who likes the jam and who well, likes I'm, the Well, I'm jam first. Cream. I am. Yeah. Are you, are you jam first? Yeah. See, that's that's obviously that's the, the, the Cornish way. We're obviously in Devon. It's the, traditionally, it's the yeah. other way around. Right. And I've always said, I'm very diplomatic. I've always said that wherever you are in somebody else's home or if you're in Devon or Cornwall, you do it that way. You don't have to do it the, the other way. Yes, no, quite. And what do you make of the queuing one as well? Because I have love, to say, I've, I've never seen a proper queue, really, never seen a proper queue. in any other part of the world. The only time, if you see people queuing, if you're in Mexico, uh, it's at the airport and the British people are queuing. If it's in Spain, same. You know, the Spanish don't know how to queue, the French don't know how to queue, the Americans don't know how to queue. Well, you know. I was, I'm glad you've mentioned this, because I've, I've, as I said, I've just come back from Scotland. I just came from the airport this morning. Yes. And as I came off the plane, there was, initially there was a queue, and then I noticed that as we were going into the terminal, the queue suddenly had people kind of walking a bit faster, people overtaken. It turned into a bit of a kind of a, a rally at one point. Mm. And I thought, wait, what's happened to the queuing system? Why yes. are we all suddenly... You know, we're going to get there. <laughs> Don't worry, we will get into the, the the building. Yes, I mean that's the problem, isn't it? With these, with, with what they what they used to call festival seating in yeah. uh, in in sort of venues when you went to see rock bands and stuff like that, and people would suddenly get through the doors and just run so they could get down to the front. Get, and I was, and I'm like you, I would always be going. Well, that's not very British. What are you doing? No, I'm very, I'm quite funny with the queue thing. I always, I always make sure that I queue properly. And and like everybody, I think it's true to say if you see somebody suddenly jump in front of you, you do raise an eyebrow. You know, you do think, oh, really? And I normally don't say anything, normally. Yes. Uh, but if you end up with a few people doing it, you do at one point kind of say, am I invisible? Yes. No, <laughs> I had a very interesting one uh, of, a, of an old lady who sort of nipped in front of me at Sainsbury's the other week. And oh. I thought, well, because she's elderly, I'm not going to yeah. give her a hard time. So oh, I, well I, done. I let it go. Um, <laughs> but then I was standing behind her in the queue and uh, her, the, her sort of stuff was moving on down the belt, and I, had, I was waiting to unload my stuff because there wasn't any room. And I was just doing something on my phone, and she started giving me a hard time because she said, you know, well, if you're not going to uh, fill that spot, you can have somebody come in front of you. And, no. I just, and I looked at her and I went, what, you mean like you did? You know. Oh, well done. So, you know, we, but, but by the end of it, being very British, of course, we ended up having a very nice conversation uh, about, about how horrible it is to go shopping on a Saturday. Yeah. Oh, you disappointed me. I thought you were going to say about the weather. <laughs> well, really funny enough, the weather is counted by not on this particular list, but by it's some not. people as very, very indicative of one of the best things about being British. Because the great thing about the weather here is when it is nice, and I'm looking out a window now to the sunny weather outside in London, which I'm sure is not the case everywhere, um, you feel a lot better in the sunshine here. You do, you do, which is why I'm heading off to Los Angeles in a couple of days. Nice. To escape the winter. 
I've had well, enough. Well, hang on. Are you I, sure I, it's not going to be on fire or something? I mean, well, I, I've been assured by my friends that where I'm going to be, I'm, I'm safe. It might be. It should be. It should be hopefully be okay. So I, I have double checked. Now I've got one here from Stu, um, who's he's from your part of the world in Scotland. He says, mm. "Can we add Tunnock's caramel wafers, please, oh. to uh, the best things from Britain?" Oh, I, I, I actually think I've got to agree with that. I, I would go with that. Yeah, I'm a Tunnock's fan, and I, I did actually before you said that I noticed in the list they've got digestive biscuits. Yes, Isn't that a classic. I do like a digestive, yeah. My sister came uh, to visit me, funnily enough, last uh, week and the week before, and her um, favourite thing to eat uh, for a midnight snack is a digestive, digestive. chocolate digestive biscuit and oh. a peach yoghurt. Oh, OK. Together. It's quite, which is <laughs> quite strange. Interesting combination. But and the I'm London sure Marathon delicious. makes it as well. What about that? Does it? I haven't even noticed that. Yeah, the London Marathon oh, yeah, apparently is absolutely. one of the things that people love about Britain, which is nice in a way. I like that. And, and the barbecues in the rain, I love that because I actually know people that do have barbecues in the rain, in the snow, in sleet. I've been there. I've had those barbecues. I know that they happen. Yes. Well, do you know, I'm going to be away this Christmas and I'm, we're thinking it might be tricky to have the sort of traditional um, Christmas dinner scenario. So I've already offered up the possibility of a barbecued Christmas dinner, Ooh, um, which might be complicated to do, but possible. <laughs> I'm sure it will look lovely. I mean, and hopefully there's not too much snow. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Fine. Exactly. I think it'll be fine. But you're right. I mean, people stand out in the rain with umbrellas over them, yeah. cooking barbecued food because we're going to be a barbecue. It's like you can't move it inside because you promised everyone it was going to be barbecue. Exactly. So, the, the, you know, it's a really interesting list. I, I, I like it. I mean, there's things, as you said, there's things that, that obviously they've kind of missed off, but I think they've covered quite a lot, and even right down to the seaside. Mm. Yeah, the British seaside, you can't you can't beat it, can you? I mean, it's one of those things, bank holiday Monday, sitting in your car on the promenade <laughs> as the rain is battering down onto the bonnet um, and eating a ham sandwich that you brought with you. Exactly. But you see, this is the thing about us Brits, you know, that's the kind of things we do, and we're famous for it. Yes. You know, that's what's really important, is that when you have visitors come over to the country, these are the kind of things they ask. And I get asked as well, you know, with my with the classes, they'll, they'll ask, do you go to the seaside? And I'm thinking, well... Yes, on occasions. Yes. <laughs> not, not every weekend. No, absolutely not. But listen, I mean, uh, this is why, obviously, uh, the British are so easily identifiable whenever they go abroad. Have a great time in LA, Grant. If anything happens over there, we may have to call you up and get you as our man on the spot uh, in Los Angeles, Grant Harold, the Royal Butler. Charming, charming fellow. And, of course, the king of etiquette in all manner of ways. Coming up tomorrow, uh, it's more from the Independent Republic of Mike Graham from 10 o'clock. Go and have a look at YouTube. Uh, you'll see the Mike Graham election debate that we filmed yesterday. Uh, see who's going to win. Across the UK. Online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.